If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now today I'm delighted to get back again Karen Warren, who's a working equitation judge, and today we're going to talk about 10 secrets from a working equitation judge, and I think, um, how are you anyway, Taryn? I'm doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm very well, very well. But Taryn, these secrets from a working equitation judge, they're really, some of these, you know, because I've had a look and I've had a lot more to do with dressage and um, even jumping equitation rather than working equitation, some of these go across other disciplines as well, don't they? Absolutely. Any any event where you are going to be evaluated by a judge, yep. some of these tips can apply to you as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we're not going to reveal it yet, but the last one I just think is so little understood, but we'll talk about that soon. Absolutely. Now, your first one, speed does not mean fast. So tell us a bit more about that because there's obviously a bit of an underlying, you know, there's been confusion there. So explain yes, to us a bit more. Especially Mm. At our lower levels, we get to they get to the speed round the first mm. time, and all they're thinking about is going as fast as they can. Yes, but unfortunately, that that does a lot of those lower level riders in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. They need to understand that a fast run is actually very smooth and looks slow. Yep, because it is so. So what I like to tell my riders is that you want to find the shortest lines from obstacle to obstacle, even if it means you have to slow down a little bit, even if you have to trot. Um, Covering the shortest distance in the least amount of time is really what speed is about, and it's more efficient than trying to go fast over a longer distance with bad mechanics. Yes, yes. Um, You know, it's common sense, but when you get in there and the adrenaline's pumping, it's hard to remember sometimes. Um, if your horse doesn't know how to carry themselves over the hind leg, your cantering or galloping is not going to be efficient. Your turns are going to be wide. Your transitions will be bad. You'll have, you'll struggle to rate your horse, and the horse is going to become hollow. Um, so I really like to think of speed as a test for the muscle memory of my slow work. If mm-hmm. I add speed and the horse gets hollow, my slow work needs more work, and in speed, canter is probably not going to be my most efficient gait. Yeah, yeah, and I really like the way that you talk about the shortest distance, the efficiency of it. Yes. Mm, I mm. have watched at our lower levels, I have watched riders who trot the entire speed course win the speed round yeah. because they took the shortest, most efficient route and yep. their horse was balanced in the trot. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I know that as a judge, you know, and this is sort of you go out, you watch a dressage test, even a show jumping round, even a cross-country round, we're seeing the horse for a short snapshot, and I think um, absolutely, yeah. This working equitation, you've got a six-minute snapshot. Is that right? Because you know, it's not everything that the horse can do. It's all the work and the training and everything that's gone into it up until that time. And a good judge is going to look at the horse for only those minutes and know which ones had the right training. 
Uh, yes, that is very true. And one of the things that I see with riders is they come out really discouraged about the comments or the percentage on their test. But I tell all of my students not to base their journey with their horse on those six minutes. We as <laughs> judges may be seeing you on your best ride or your worst ride or somewhere in between, but we have to evaluate you to a predetermined standard. Yep. So we're not... We're not saying you failed. We're not We're not trying to make you feel down. We just have a job to do as well. We know your horse is tense. We know that you get tense because you're, you're riding what we refer to as a test. Mm-hmm. We know that your rides are going to be better at home. But we don't want you to leave that arena defeated because we literally have seen six minutes of your journey, which could have been 10 years or, you know, 12 weeks. We yeah. don't know. We just have to evaluate to that predetermined standard. Yes, yes. I tell my riders that think of it as a pop quiz. Oh, okay. You go in there, you get some feedback, you go home and you work on it. But what I want them to remember that the most important thing is that they have to be a partner for their horse in that ring. And it's only six minutes, but it's the six minutes that your horse needs you to be at your best. That If you tense up and give them conflicting aids, you're going to set that horse up for failure. And they don't even know why they're there. Yes. So it's important not to base everything on those six minutes yep yep now thinking as a coach you know you talked before about the comments on the test but riders come out they're defeated so as a coach or even as a rider what can they do if they've got negative comments what can they do if they look at the test and go oh I'm going to give up competing I'm going to give up equitation I'm going to give up riding you know what what can they do so the first thing I tell my riders is I don't even want them to look at that test for a few days until a few days after the show. Uh I want them to go home. I want them to think of everything good that happened in that show ring. Forget about the bad for a minute. Think of every positive they can think of that happened in that show ring because it will change your complete mindset when you do read those comments. When you come out of that ring and read your comments right away, it can make you feel really defeated. Mm Mm-hmm. I also tell my students that the comments are really meant to give you goals and direction for your schooling, not to make you feel like you have failed. Yes. Most of your comments are going to be things you need to work on because we only have six minutes. So we're trying to give you as much feedback as we can for you to take home so that you can improve. It's really hard in that six minutes for us to give scores and comments on, you know, 20 movements. Mm-hmm. So we were giving you feedback and it's a lot of it's going to seem negative. Just because we don't have time to give um, positives on everything and negatives on everything. So we're trying to give you that feedback. I also tell my students not to focus so much on the percentage, but use the comments as a learning opportunity and start start creating a, a training program that can help fix whatever you see that's a consistent comment. So if you're seeing regularity come up on a regular basis, then you know that when you're riding and schooling, you need to be focusing more on that. So find the comments that are coming up most often Mm -hmm. and then use those to help with your schooling. Okay. Okay. That's good. Good. Now I know that you've talked about ease of handling lines. So tell us the difference between a speed line and an ease of handling line. Does that go back to the Speed does not mean fast, or is it something different again? So it's going to be a little bit different. When we're Mm -hmm. judging your ease of handling around the obstacles, we're looking to see how balanced your horse is. Do you have the correct bend? Is your horse through? And we're giving each obstacle a score, where in speed it's about 
um, the fastest time with the least number of penalties. And ease of handling, you're getting a score just like dressage. So your job in ease of handling is really to set your course up in a way that's going to create the most balanced approach to the obstacle. Generally, that means that you need to have your horse straight and on a correct, the correct leader bend about three strides prior to entering that obstacle to ensure they're balanced. One trap that riders get into, so we talk about in speed that the shortest distance between two places is going to be your most efficient line. That's not always the case in ease of handling when you're having to canter between obstacles and canter obstacles. Sometimes the best line to set your horse up to be balanced may be behind you. Mm -hmm. It might not be going directly from one to two. It may be going from obstacle one around obstacle six to obstacle two. And the and that's the biggest difference is that in speed we're looking for efficient we're looking for shortest distance because that's going to be fast but in ease of handling we're looking to see are you balancing your horse are you setting them up to perform that obstacle in the best way yep and um, the other thing is that if your horse is struggling maybe you need to add some transitions between obstacles to help them rebalance where in speed you're just trying to get it done as quickly as you can. I tell my students when they are doing the course walk to think in terms of cantering, because if you're cantering, if you're thinking in terms of canter, you would be thinking, what lead would my horse need to be on to approach this obstacle? And a lot of times that will help you find your line, because if it's a short line and you're thinking, wow, I can't get that canter and have my horse balanced, then you need to find a longer line, which may take you around an obstacle to get them balanced, but it's going to be better than going into that obstacle with the horse on the forehand. Okay, okay. Now, we talked about sort of doing a few transitions to help the horse, but what happens when you're out there? You know, the rider's got nerves, the horse has got nerves, and things are just falling apart, you know? I really like the way that you said um, with the dressage test, don't even look at the test for a few days, you know, that just think yeah. of all the positives. But what if you're there? You can't just go, I'm going to think of all the positives in the last time that I rode. What, what are you going to do when things do fall apart? What's your recommendations there? So I get to take a lot of young horses to shows, and it's inevitable things are going to fall apart. So mm -hmm. I've got a lot of experience here. And what I tell my students and what I tell myself is stop. If it's in the middle of the dressage test, if it's in the middle of ease of handling, if it's in the middle of speed and things are just continuing to unravel, stop. Stop your horse, take a breath, smile, reset, and then try it again. The, the test that you are in is not the end of the world. It's not going to be the last test you ride. Maybe it's the worst test you ride or maybe it's not. But if you keep riding when your horse is unraveling, you're setting your horse up to fail going forward. Your horse doesn't know this is a test. They don't know it's a horse show. They know that they got stuck, you know, in, in a, a trailer and hauled to a place that they're unfamiliar with. So they need guidance and a leader. And when things are unraveling, if you're getting tense and continuing to try and ride forward, you're setting that horse up to not have good experiences down the road. So if they're unraveling, reset, even if it means stopping and taking a lower score on that movement, mm -hmm. your horse is going to gain more by resetting than continuing to ride forward with all that tension and anxiety. Personally, I would rather see the rider do what's best for the horse over what's required of the sport. I want you to be successful as a judge and earn scores, but what I want more is that when you and the horse leave the ring, you guys leave on a positive note, not a horse that's so tense that it can't you know, walk, that it's trying to jump out of the ring. So, there's been times on young horses where we've had to stop in the middle of the movement, take a breath, give them a pat on the neck, and then and then move on. And you know what? At the end of the ride, the horse was in much better shape than if I had continued riding forward all that tension. Yeah. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 
101 careers in the horse industry, is now available. And the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Yeah, I suppose that's when you're looking at the long-term plan instead of just thinking, this is the main competition I'm ever going to ride in. You, You just go, this is a competition I'm using to train my horse. My horse is here for the long game and that's what I'm doing. I'm training my horse and looking for the future. Absolutely. I think that if you keep in terms of it's one show, it's one test, and in the grand scheme of you and your horse's partnership, it's a really small blip on the radar, you can kind of take that breath and say, you know, you're here, you're trying, we both need to take a little breath here, let's just reset. Okay. Now, Taryn, tell me a little bit about the rules for working equitation. If a rider is disqualified, do they have to leave the arena immediately mounted, leave unmounted? Can they pop over another obstacle? Can they continue on and just train their horse without getting scored? I mean, tell me tell me what disqualification means. So disqualification, it is not elimination. If you disqualify mm-hmm. in dressage, you can still come back and ride ease of handling. The, the size of the show and the rating of the show really determine whether or not you're going to get to continue riding your test and not just be judged. For me as a judge, if we've got some time in the schedule, if it's a lower rated show and you just qualify midway through your course, I'm going to let you finish your course. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you comments on your score sheet, but I'm not going to give you any scores. So you still got something to go home with. You still got something to go, uh, to to take home and plan your training and work on things so that you don't leave with nothing in hand. However, it's not required in the rules. If you get disqualified, the judge has every right to send you out. Okay. But what I want the riders to remember is disqualify really means don't quit. Think of it as a learning opportunity and an educational opportunity, and education is rarely free. So. Yes, you spent your entry fee. Yes, you're feeling upset because you disqualified it. But think of it as a learning opportunity and a schooling opportunity. You got to go to the show. You got to get your horse out. You got to get them around, you know, a few obstacles, other horses, all the exciting atmosphere. And it's an educational opportunity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I also think of it that when you disqualify it, generally because you've made an error, whether it's your error, the horse's error, but you want to go home with that as a learning opportunity and define the qualities that you want to improve on so that you can demonstrate them better the next time. And you need to practice those qualities with discipline. If you go home and you don't practice or fix what caused the disqualification, you're doomed to repeat it the next time out. And I've seen riders, you know, disqualify at multiple shows over very similar problems because they didn't take that as an educational opportunity and go home and learn from it. So I want riders to remember, don't quit just because you disqualified. It's a learning opportunity and that education is not free. Yep, yep. Now, I I don't know what it's like over there, but as a judge, if I'm judging, even at the high events, it's just not enough to make a living. 
Are you making a living over there? Um, is, is it like, you know, you're going to tell me you get paid millions and, and you don't need to do anything else? Absolutely not. And that's probably <laughs> one of the common myths of judging is that people think the judges are making a killing. But what mm. they don't understand is that just to get our card, we have to develop a lot of skills and demonstrate those skills. And that, like I said earlier, the education is not free. So we have to put a lot of money into this. We also every year have the cost of continuing education. We're re required to keep our education up in order to maintain our card. So generally, most of us who are also trainers or instructors or have day jobs, you know, in, in business fields, we can make more money staying at home than we can judging. But we mm -hmm. do it because we love the sport. We want to support the sport. We want to give the riders an opportunity to get out. But there's no way that as a judge you're going to make back the money that you spend getting the education to get that card. So oh, okay. it's, it's one of those misunderstood things. It's not, it's not for everybody, and it's not a, an inexpensive thing to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are out there supporting the sport. But the sportsmanship, you know, we talk about any type of competition and the sportsmanship between other riders, other people, the people that are running it, like the judges, between each other, between yourself and the horse. Tell us a little bit about your views on sportsmanship. So we just had our national show in October, and I think mm. one of the greatest things that I saw coming out of that national show was the sportsmanship. We had riders that were competing against each other, coaching each other. They yes. were helping each other. Mm. Everybody wanted the other person to be successful. And I think that that is so important to create that atmosphere. Um, a good attitude and support for your competitors are going to take you a lot further in the long run than a ribbon is going to take you. Um, most people at a show are not going to remember how your ride went, but they will remember how you treated those around you, and they'll remember how you handled your ride, how you treated your horse. So don't be the one they remember for the wrong reasons. I tell my kids, I tell my competitors that, you know, the golden rule always applies, even at the show, which is to treat others the way you want them to treat you. It's a competition. Someone is going to have to win, but you can congratulate that person, and the next time it might be you. The other thing to remember is that don't take it out on your horse. Your horse doesn't know that it's a competition. They don't know if they won or lost. They are truly there for our gratification. If they had a choice, they'd be standing at home in a pasture with their friend grazing. So when I see competitors leave the ring frustrated because they had a bad ride and they're not being kind to their horse, I think that people are going to remember that more than they remember what actually went wrong in your ride. So that sportsmanship is absolutely um, imperative, I think. And, and the more you can be kind to yourself, be kind to your horse, be kind to those around you, the more enjoyable the competition will be. Yeah. yeah. And I think a really good takeaway from that is that people may not remember your ride, but they will remember the way you treated those around you. I think that's just so important. Absolutely. The, the sportsmanship, the sport, the, you know, I think just general, general life. Yeah. They do remember. They do remember, and, you know, even on your – if you're having a really bad show, mm -hmm. you remember that you're already ahead of everyone who didn't show up because they didn't want to try. So even on your worst day, you're still ahead of those yes. that were too afraid to get out there and do it. Yep, yep So just yep. keep a positive attitude and, and yep. think of it as a learning opportunity. Now, I'm just wondering, the last one, you know, we've sort of talked before about that uh, education's not free, you as a judge, you're not making a living, you support the sport. But I think another thing that people need to know is that judges are only human, they're not computers, and 
they're not perfect. You know, they're out there, they're human beings. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because that's another one that goes across a few different disciplines. Well, I think, you know, all the different disciplines, and I think it's an important thing to remember. I agree. It's, you know, being a judge is hard. No matter how good you do, somebody is always going to leave that show unhappy. Mm -hmm. And we aren't, just like you said, we're not computers, we're not mechanical. So we're affected by the things that are happening. If we're judging and it's really hot or really cold, those are going to affect us. Sometimes we have so many competitors, we're not getting breaks. We're hungry, we're tired, we're thirsty, we get brain fatigue. We show up there to do our best job, just like the riders show up to try and give us their best stride. But the riders aren't perfect, and unfortunately, neither is your judge. Your judge is going to make an error. Um, They have to make an instant decision based on what they see in front of them. And sometimes all of that's getting thrown at you really quickly. So the judges, they showed up trying to do their best job, but they are not perfect. The other thing that I want riders to remember is that the first rider in a class really sets the scale for that class. As a judge, we don't know if that's the best rider we're going to see of the day, the worst rider that we're going to see of the day, or somewhere in between. So the scores on that first horse are usually going to tend to be a little bit conservative, and they set the tones for the rest of the class. So if the judge scores that first horse a little bit high and the next horse is better, the scores that day are likely going to be slightly on the high side, which is why I don't want my riders focusing on percentages. I want them focusing on the comments. Um, On a given day, that same judge could judge you slightly higher, slightly lower based on um, that first rider that comes in that ring. So we try and do our best, but we're human, and we don't show up to do a bad job just like the riders don't show up to do a bad job. But it is stressful. We know that the riders put a lot of stock in what we're saying and we want to give them that good feedback. We want to give them the most accurate evaluation we can. Um, but we, we do make errors. Yeah. All right. And I think that's the crux of it all. You know, you're only human, you're out there, you're supporting, you're doing the best you can do. Um, you've said that education's not free and it certainly isn't, but what you're looking at is to keep improving the sport. And I think you're doing a great job there, Taryn. So we've got 10 secrets from Taryn Warren and she's a working equitation judge. Taryn, if people would like to talk to you, to confirm anything with you, to ask you questions, to um, organise for you to judge at their event, or just have some general questions about working equitation, what's the best way to contact you? The best way is generally by email. I try and check that every day, and that is TNT Farms, F-A-R-M-S, QTR Horses at yahoo.com. All right, that's great. And also, if you go to horsechats.com and just search for Taryn, T-A-R-R-I-N, search for Warren, or I think if you even search for working equitation, I think you'll find Karen's, Taryn's details at the bottom of her page, or I should say pages because you've been on a few times. So um, I, I think that's probably the best way to contact her. Taryn, thank you. It's wonderful talking to you. It's great talking about you know, a fairly new sport working equitation and um, you're sort of unravelling all the mysteries there. And as you've said, you're not making a fortune doing it. You're, um, you know, you're probably not even covering your costs to get into the sport. So thank you again from Horse Chats. Absolutely. I appreciate the time. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 